Everything you do is making an impact in this world. This is not an elitist issue. This is a quality of life issue. How dare you? And I feel like it's my responsibility as a human being. So what? The world is at stake. You're listening to Eco Chic, a podcast about climate, sustainability, and eco-conscious lifestyles. What, like it's hard? Hello, hello. Welcome back to Eco Chic. My name is Laura Diaz, and I am really happy to have you here. I hope you're doing well. Today is election day in the U.S., and I have a pit, I'm going to be honest with you. So I hope that you're doing well. I hope that today's podcast gives you a little bit of escape of your day, or if you're watching it later in the week, I hope it is a calming addition to just wind down this very long election season. Quite frankly, like, I can't believe that the day is finally here. I feel like we have been living in election season for the last 25 years or so. Today's episode is a fun one because we are speaking with Stephanie Safarian of the Sustainable Minimalist podcast. Sustainable Minimalist is a podcast that I personally enjoy, so I hope that some of you also enjoy it, and if you haven't already, you should check it out because I am on it this week. Stephanie and I did a little podcast swap. And what I enjoy so much about the Sustainable Minimalist podcast is that Stephanie discusses minimalism in a way that is incredibly attainable. It really does think about the environmental impacts of decluttering and how is it that you can use something to its full capacity while also not acquiring a whole lot of stuff. So I think that sustainable minimalism is a really, really happy ground for myself and hopefully like you. So Stephanie does discuss with us what that sustainable minimalist philosophy is. And the other fun facet of that podcast, Stephanie is a mother. She is a mother of two. And even though I am not a mother, I think what I take away so often from her family-centered conversations is community and how I interact with my family and my siblings and my friends and people that I love and people in my circles. She talks about things like sustainability when it comes to eating local, when it comes to decluttering, when it comes to the holidays, which we talk about today a little bit. So overall, it's a great podcast that I would highly recommend, Sustainable Minimalist, and I would recommend you check it out, especially this week because I will be on it, like I mentioned. Also incredibly exciting, Stephanie is an author. Her first book is coming out January 2021 called Sustainable Minimalism, and I personally cannot wait to get a copy of it. And you can find pre-order information and more about Stephanie and her blog and her podcast and her lifestyle on her website, mamaminimalist.com. I will make sure to put it in the show notes. So with that, let me tell you a little bit about today's conversation with Stephanie. It is a very fun, friendly conversation. I thought that would be most appropriate for the season that we're in. And like I mentioned, we talk about sustainable minimalism and what that philosophy really entails. And then Stephanie shares a little bit of insight and some tips on how to declutter and that decluttering process. And it is very much a process, which I appreciate that she emphasizes. We talk about types of clutter, so we talk about sentimental clutter, aspirational clutter, why are we holding on to things, recognizing that we sometimes have these feelings towards stuff, and how do we deal with those in order to achieve our ultimate goals of not only decluttering, but really optimizing our lives and figuring out what brings us the most joy or light, as she calls it. And then we also talk about the holidays, like I mentioned. We talk about setting boundaries and expectations because minimalism can definitely come to a head when you are receiving gifts that you don't necessarily expect 
or necessarily want, quite frankly. And we also talk about how to give in a more minimal way. We talk a little bit about COVID. We talk a little bit about intention and time. And overall, I think that it is a really fun, friendly conversation with a lot of really good take-home points. I want to quickly point out that I recognize that recent episodes of this show have spoken about consumption and spending and shopping and intentional shopping, and those are points that I really enjoy speaking about, especially as we approach the holidays, but I also want to just share that that's been pretty intentional with election season, with anxieties running high. I have been intentionally trying to give these really friendly, casual conversations around this season. So we will go back to more like hardcore educational episodes. Not that I don't feel like these have been. I think they have been, but they're just a little different. I hope you've been enjoying them and I hope you've really been appreciating this style of conversation recently because I know I've been really enjoying it and I have enjoyed conducting these conversations. But if you would like to let me know how you like these conversations, if you want to let me know what you want to hear next in the coming months on Eco Chic, make sure you reach out to me on social media. That is the easiest way. I am at Eco Chic Podcast on Instagram, and all of my links are always in the show notes if you ever want to get in touch. Even my email is down there if you are so inclined to email me. And we've got another really awesome conversation coming up next week, actually another podcast swap with Emily Stokel of the Preloved Podcast. So to make sure that you don't miss that and all future episodes of Eco Chic, make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can also rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That's really helpful to me too. And with that, I hope you really enjoyed today's episode. We are speaking again with Stephanie Safarian of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. It was seriously such a joy to speak with Stephanie. I feel like we are now meant to be friends. I hope that she comes back on the show. I hope that I continue to be in touch with her. I think you'll really enjoy it. So with that, let's get into the episode. Hey, really quick before we get into the episode, I wanted to tell you about Blissoma. Blissoma is a next-level skincare brand formulated from the science of plants. Their botanical ingredients are raw, potent, and harvested with care. They have super high standards from biodegradable, certified organic, and truly naturally based ingredients. Ingredients are always fully disclosed, which I love. If you've ever listened to the show, I'm always advocating for more transparent ingredient lists. And at the end of the day, beauty shouldn't hurt anyone. Plasoma is gentle without harsh acids, abrasive additives, because their ingredients are so pure and effective. I personally love the Gentle Rice Cleanser because it doesn't strip my skin, it doesn't leave my skin feeling tight, and the exfoliant is so subtle that I don't feel like I'm scratching up all of my skin, especially if I'm washing my face twice a day. If you would like to check it out for yourself and try Blasoma, check out Blasoma.com. You can use code ECOCHIC for 20% off. That's Blasoma.com, code ECOCHIC. Stephanie, thank you so much for being here today. I'm really excited about this, especially after we just recorded for your podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me, Laura. I love being a guest on other people's shows. It's like my hobby. So this is so exciting. (laughs) I love it. I would first love to open up because I'm sure a lot of my listeners are also listeners of your show. I would love to hear a little bit about how your podcast came to be because I think when I think of motherhood and minimalism, they seem like very hard topics to put together. So I want to hear about your podcast. Okay. Well, in order to understand why on earth I thought I should have a podcast, I should go back to when my first daughter was born she was a baby 
And I just had an aha moment of looking at her piles and piles of toys and gear and clothes that she never wore. And I just had this moment of like, this is all so pointless. Like I, you know, had scanned my heart out with the scanner at Babies R Us thinking we needed all the things, but she didn't need any of it. So very soon after looking at my daughter's things, I looked at my own things and realized the exact same thing, right? Like all these things that I thought I needed that were going to enrich my life, that were going to make me more beautiful or funnier or, you know, better able to compare with my, my neighbors. Like I had just so fallen hard for consumer culture. And the reality was that all this stuff was taking from me more than it was giving because I had to organize it, maintain it, clean it, you know, put it away. Now, then, now that my daughters are older, like I'm, you know, running around putting their stuff away for them. So everything came to a head once I became a mother. And so then as I'm looking at these piles of things, I thought, well, where is this all going to go? Like it's all going to go to the landfill and sit on top of everybody else's piles of things. And that's when I realized that I'm not as much of a minimalist. I am a minimalist, but I'm an eco-friendly or what I like to call a sustainable minimalist, which is all about decluttering in ways that don't harm the planet. But that's just step one. Step two is rethinking how you think about stuff and becoming a conscious consumer. And then step three, I would say, is decreasing reliance on those corporations, right? Like doing more for yourself. So you're not paying somebody else to do something for you or make something for you. Or So we cover the gamut on the podcast. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> oh, it does. It absolutely does. And I, I think a lot of people get bogged down in that portion of of their journey to minimalism, I suppose, saying, okay, I want to have less stuff, but now that I have all this stuff, what do I do with it? So I think that you answer a lot of questions. I'd love to hear a little bit about decluttering. Like when you were going through that first realization period that you just had too much stuff, how do you decide what you do and don't actually need? So I should say right off the bat that I don't particularly have strong emotions towards my things. A lot of people do. And I hear that, especially sentimental clutter, you know, somebody beloved passes away and, you know, you inherit all their things. That is really hard for a lot of people. But for me, (laughs) it was very simple. It was, do we need this? Do we use this? Do we love this? And if the answer is no, then it's time for a conversation about why it's here in the first place. So that first declutter um, of my entire living space took about a year. It took a really long time and it was, <laughs> it was hard. Um, but I believe that decluttering is transformative because when you're sitting and staring at piles and bags and boxes of all this stuff you bought, but you really didn't need it, <laughs> that can be a difficult moment for a lot of people to that shame shame. So I think it's important to do it. I definitely think that decluttering is a really important step on somebody's mission of becoming a more conscious consumer and a better and bigger steward of the planet. But again, it's not the end goal for me and it's, it's not, it's not easy. (laughs) I really like what you said about just recognizing the clutter that you have and people very often do have shame around how much clutter they have, or you mentioned sentimental clutter. I read an article, it was probably about a year ago, about aspirational clutter 
And I keep telling my family about this aspirational clutter, things that we hold on to because we think one day I'm going to fit into this pair of jeans again, or maybe I'll take up tennis again. So I have all these rackets and yeah. things that we hold on to because we have these visions of the people that we're supposed to be, like you were mentioning earlier. Do I need all of this stuff to keep up with my neighbors and things that I think I need to be a good mother? And just recognizing that your standards for yourself are not always actually in line with the kind of person that you are. Yeah. Totally. You mentioned the jeans, but also like my bunt pan, right? Like I, in my head, am the type of woman who creates and cooks the best bunts. I've never made a bunt in my whole life, right? But in my head, like that's who I am. And, or, you know, the skis in my basement, like one day I am going to be a great skier. Totally. But is that reality? You know, (laughs) maybe not. So You're absolutely correct. I also think something I really love about your show is that you are very conscious about including your family in these conversations. And I am someone who does not have children, but thinking about when you're living in communal spaces or even just in close proximity to friends and family, it's really hard to encourage that same mindset because I know that a lot of the time people do buy you things because they think that you're going to enjoy them or because they're trying to do something nice or Um, You're acquiring things that perhaps people think that you should have for whatever reason it is. How do you manage to maintain this sustainable minimalist mindset when it comes to your children? It's a great question. I will say that it's getting more challenging as they grow up. My oldest daughter is six now and she's very into what her friends have and what she doesn't have. And we have a lot of conversations like that. I think part of being eco-friendly, part of being a minimalist is just being okay with doing things differently. And so I say that to my kids all the time. It's very simple. It's my mantra. It's in this family, we do things differently. End of discussion, right? Like your friends all have iPads. That is wonderful for them. And that's how their family does things. That's just not how we are choosing to do things. You know, we do have problems with gifts. You know, the holidays are coming and I have very loving family members who are going to give my children a lot of stuff. However, giving lists of things we need or experiences that we'd like to have and doing it now, like in October, (laughs) is a really great way to curb just the extra stuffed animals or the extra Barbies or whatever it may be that you know, might be coming in. And then another way too, is just, I believe it's really important to raise my children in a way that makes them critical of consumer culture, because I think it's important to instill that in them right now, (laughs) as best as I can. And so, you know, donating, we have a donate box, it's in the basement and we all use it. So are we still playing with this toy? Does this jacket still fit? Or can we give it to somebody else you know, who can love on it and give it extra life. And so we have those conversations all the time in this house. And I don't know, I, I, I'll report back in 13 years when my oldest is an adult and see if any of this stuck, <laughs> but it's what we can do right now, I guess. <laughs> I think that's awesome. And I also think it's really great that you've normalized the donate box. I really like that you mentioned you have this donation box in your basement because then it's something your kids grew up with assuming that there is always the option to donate something that they don't need that doesn't fit and you build in this sense of checking in with yourself and checking in with your things 
And just because you need something today doesn't mean that you're going to need it in a year. So I'd also love to hear about what you do beyond donations, because you mentioned you don't necessarily want all your things to end up in a landfill. You don't necessarily always have items that are ready to be donated. Do you do any sort of like buyback programs or resale programs or, or anything like that? Oh yeah, totally. And like, if it's in great condition, obviously it, mm-hmm. it usually has to be like some wonderful name brand, but yeah, selling all the time. Selling is more work, right? But I also believe too, that let's say I'm getting $20 for, you know, a jacket. The person who paid $20 for that children's jacket, let's say, is gonna, I think, treat it with more love and respect because there was a transaction there as opposed to like, if I gave it away to somebody for free, right? Like we always care for things that we spent money on a little bit more, right? So selling totally, I buy secondhand all the time and I do it so shamelessly. Thread up is like A plus plus in my book. We're taught and told that we need the newest, the shiniest, the best, especially mothers. Mothers want to give their children, fathers too, but they're the best, the newest, right? But I really think that in 2020, we all need to start looking at that assumption with a critical eye. Like we really need to think about that because we've got one planet (laughs) and we're trashing it with all our stuff. So if we can accept something that is secondhand into our homes, it might be time to do that. I completely agree. I am a big advocate for secondhand shopping. And I think that's probably what gets me when I think that I want to be a minimalist and I can't get rid of things. Biggest problem, I'll be honest with you, my biggest problem is books. I'll go to a Savers or a Goodwill and I'll find really beautiful hardcover books for $3. And I'm like, well, I guess I have to, I guess I have to buy them all because what a good deal. I can't. So I have this problem where I rationalize a lot of my secondhand shopping by saying like, what a good deal I'm getting or the same kind of mentality that people have around sales at the mall saying, oh, I should buy all of these things on Black Friday because when am I ever going to be able to save this much again? But just because you're getting something on sale, that doesn't actually mean you're saving money. You're still spending whatever it is, the $20 for the jacket or the $50 for the jacket or whatever else it may be. So I think this assumption also that you are gaining something or benefiting in some way by buying an item or buying an item on sale or buying an item secondhand is problematic. Yeah, you bring up some really good points there. And for me personally, as somebody who experiences anxiety over organizing, cleaning, washing, maintaining all the things in this house, like that's like, I'm the person who does that in this house. If for me, it might be a great deal, a $3 t-shirt, whatever it is, but I always am weighing what that t-shirt will look like, like what other costs are associated with that $3 t-shirt. It's going to take my time to iron and fold and hang and put away. And so all those things. So it really comes down for me is like, do I actually need this t-shirt? If so, am I in the market for a gray t-shirt? If so, then a $3 t-shirt is a great secondhand t-shirt is a great deal. But if it's just a cute shirt, that's when, you know, the balancing act comes in. Right. I think that's a good point that it's about balancing and saying, okay, what am I actually going to get out of this purchase long-term? We've been focusing a lot on ourselves. And you mentioned that around this October time, it's a good time for your kids and your friends and your family kind of to set these expectations of what you actually need for the holiday season. And I would love to hear on the flip side, what are the kind of 
gifts, when you feel pressured to give someone something, what do you give people? Food, food or some sort of consumable. And I try to make it a nice consumable, (laughs) but consumables are huge, right? Because it's enjoyed and then it's gone, right? And I personally, anybody listening in my own life, I love a good bottle of wine or a good, you know, box of chocolates. Um, But it's really hard to gift for people unless you know them really, really well. And you are confident that the gift that you're purchasing somebody is really going to be appreciated and loved on. I say tickets to something, food, an experience together, a night out. Those are all, in my opinion, great gifts, Um, especially when it comes to experiences. Like you're giving the person like the gift of your quality time, especially if it's going to be something that you're doing together. And what's better than showing somebody you love them with time. And then on the flip side of that is if you're thinking about giving a gift to somebody like a coworker or an acquaintance, or you don't know what to give, this is probably harsh, but I say give nothing. If they're not close enough to you for you to immediately know like what this person would love, if, if they're not that close to you in terms of, you know, friendship or kinship, then the, the answer might be give nothing instead of some trinket or some something that's going to be a burden for them that they're going to then have to like figure out what to do with. I'm a, I'm a little bit extreme, but <laughs> I'd rather, no, I'd rather not get nothing like from, from an acquaintance. I'd rather you give me nothing than give me something that I'm not going to enjoy. I'm not going to love. And then I'm responsible for figuring out what to do with it. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I could not agree more. And Perhaps it is on the flip side, me being ungrateful. Maybe it's like a personality problem that I have. But when someone gives me a small trinket, like let's say it's a hand cream, you know, like a coworker gives me a hand cream. They think that I'm going to really enjoy it and I appreciate it. And I'm like, thank you for thinking of me. But that's also very personal because it's like, what if it's not a fragrance that I like? And now it's going to sit in my desk drawer for the next six months. And now I'm responsible for either getting rid of it or giving it to someone who will appreciate it or you know, what do you do with those trinkets? And I think this pressure to give is also really harmful and almost slightly toxic because when you think about even in your neighborhood, there are consumables that you can do. Like over the holidays, I love to say spice nuts. Like that's such an easy thing for you to buy package free, like all of your package free nuts and you can spice them and you can put them in a little secondhand mason jar and give them out to your neighbors. And that is homemade and it's thoughtful and it goes away. And I think that this pressure that you have to give people something or this like social norm, it really goes back to what you said earlier of like, do I need all these things? Who do I need to please? Like, it's, it's just so silly to think of the holidays that way. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's all about spending money and (laughs) making companies and corporations rich, right? Like, if we get back to the holidays at their fundamental level, it's about spending quality time with our loved ones. It's not about buying a trinket. It's not about, you know, the stuff under the tree if you uh, celebrate Christmas. It's really about, you know, spending time with your loved ones. And I don't know if hand cream translates into (laughs) spending time with your loved ones. Like there's a disconnect there. (laughs) You're absolutely correct. I also hope that this COVID season allows people to see that a little bit and allows people to better reconsider what the value of their time is. 
I hope that this upcoming holiday season just gives people some reality checks in a sense. Yeah, I think COVID has done that, sort of, maybe. Um, We'll see. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. I was curious to switch gears a little bit with you and ask about how this sustainable minimalist mindset leads into other portions of your life. So not just thinking about the actual stuff, not just thinking about things that you buy, but how are you more mindful when it comes to your food choices or just other like day-to-day things? How do these minimalist values really inform your lifestyle? Aside from stuff, the biggest way that my life has changed is in terms of my schedule and my family's schedule. I used to have like severe FOMO, fear of missing out. Like I, if I had an invitation, if I got an invitation to something, the answer was yes, all the time. My schedule is packed. My kids' schedules, you know, we're we're getting packed every birthday party. But instead of saying yes to all the things, now I, <laughs> my default answer is actually no. And then if I like really want to go, you know, I'll go, but I need to make sure at the end of the day that I'm not overexerting myself, right? Because when I'm stretched too thin, there's not much enjoyment to be had there. I'm just running around crazy. So the, the purpose is of intention with everything. And so if I'm intentional about what I'm saying yes to, then you know, I'm going to give more of myself to the things I'm saying yes to because there's more of me to be given. So the same with my children now. Um, we play two sports at a time, no more, no less. Um, we do not, I'm sorry to anybody in my life listening, but we do not say yes to all the birthdays. We do not, you know, say yes to all the volunteer opportunities. We say yes to the things that really light us up. And then Where else does this trickle into my life? There is a place between being a minimalist and being like an eco-friendly citizen of the world where the the two lifestyles don't quite mesh, right? Like a minimalist theoretically would want to get rid of all their stuff and an environmentalist theoretically would want to keep all this stuff so that, you know, nothing goes to waste. So everything's been reused. So I would say that In this area, I continue to struggle. Like (laughs) if I had my way, I would save all the jars (laughs) and I do have a lot of them. So that's not quite minimalist of me, but yeah, you know, and I think it all just comes back to intention, like making choices with some thought behind them instead of unconscious purchasing or unconscious saying yes to all the things or unconscious eating, unconscious anything. Um, So I think it minimalism at its root is about making decisions that have some thought behind them. That's a really long answer to your question that I hope I answered it. (laughs) That was incredible. I so appreciate that because quite frankly, it didn't occur to me that you can take this minimalist approach to how you spend your time. I think that's really valuable. And thinking about the things that really light you up, I think is important because Again, like we just talked about COVID, just saying like, I'm only going to spend my time and my energy on the people that are closest to me, the people that I miss the most or whatever it may be. And, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, this theme of Zoom happy hours, it's a matter of intention as well. It's like, okay, what do I want to spend my time doing? Who do I want to see? How much time do I want to exert on these additional activities? And taking that approach into real life is saying that I, I don't have to say yes to everything. And I just, I don't know, I'm just thinking so much about the things that I feel obligated to do 
just because it seems like the right thing or I feel pressured to do it in some way, even if it's not always presented to me that way. Hmm. Yeah, COVID has been a great pause, right? So people who never even wanted to take a good hard look at (laughs) their life, um, COVID's forced many people to do that. So it will be interesting to see whether humanity rushes back to the frenetic way of life that was standard pre-COVID or if we are all, you know, embracing a slower life going forward. It'll be interesting to see. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I hope to maintain this minimalist mindset when it comes to how I exert my energy and how I spend my time. And I think just thinking about stuff with intention is really important too. Like I said, I definitely need to cut back on my shopping of secondhand books, but thinking about, okay, like what is this going to genuinely add to my life? What kind of long-term maintenance am I going to have to think about when it comes to these particular items? And, and is that worth it to me? I think that's also so important. So you've brought up a lot of points that have left me (laughs) reconsidering the way that I associate myself with stuff. I'm so glad. (laughs) I'm so glad I uh, made you think in a new way. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think that's an excellent place to leave the audience. Where can everyone find you? Okay. Well, I'm everywhere audience. (laughs) Uh, My podcast is called The Sustainable Minimalist. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. And I'm on Instagram. That's probably where I'm most active, but I'll be honest, I'm not all that active. And I actually have a book coming out in January. So new year, new you, perhaps, um, called Sustainable Minimalism. So be on the lookout. Congratulations. I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Yes. Crazy. Writing a book during COVID with two children home. That was, that was fun. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I want to hear all about it because I think that to some extent, a lot of people have this dream that one day they'll write a book and that again, that intention and that pressure and that saying, okay, is this something that I genuinely want to do? I'm sure you had to really say, you you really had to look at your time and say, I'm going to spend my time doing this and I'm going to be intentional with myself. And I'm so excited to see your book. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me on the show. This was such fun. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. Today's episode of Eco Chic with Stephanie Safarian of Sustainable Minimalist, the podcast. Check her out at Mama Minimalist on social and also check out her upcoming book. You can find more info at mamaminimalist.com. And like I said, I'll be on her show this week. So you could check that out at Sustainable Minimalist with an S, that's in plural wherever you listen to podcasts. So thanks so, so much, like I said, for tuning in. I hope to connect with you on social and hear how you've been enjoying episodes lately and what you want to hear coming up. And I hope you take care of yourself tonight and I will see you next week. Bye.